Welcome to the Time Traveling Team, the weekly podcast where we review every story of Doctor Who right from the very beginning. I'm Patty. And I'm Trisha. This week we join the Doctor, K9, and a new Romana as they face off against a classic Doctor Who villain in Destiny of the Daleks. As usual, we'll be discussing the Doctor, the companions, and the villains, and give your thoughts on the story as a whole. We'd also love to hear your thoughts on this story, so in order to join the discussion, you can check us out at Time Team, that's T-I-M-E-T-E-A-M-P, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, or you can email us at timetravelingteam at teamproductions.com. But, as I suppose, as is the usual, I'll lead us off in the story recap. Please, thank you. You're welcome. Episode 1. On the TARDIS, the Doctor does some work on K-9, who appears to have developed a case of laryngitis. He calls for Romana, but is stunned when Princess Astra from the planet Atrios appears from the TARDIS's wardrobe. He asks what she's doing on the TARDIS, but Astra reveals that she's actually Romana, who has decided to regenerate and resemble the Princess, saying that she liked the body. The Doctor says that she can't choose to look like an already existing person, and tells her to pick a different form. He then goes back to working on K-9, and Romana then proceeds to model a variety of bodies, ranging from a diminutive blue alien to a tall Grecian-looking woman. He gives her some advice on style and appearance, and she emerges wearing an outfit resembling his own. The Doctor is pleased with her choice, but when he removes the hat from her head, he sees that she has reverted to Astra's form again. He gives in and tells her to change her clothes as they are about to land. He reveals that the planet that they have landed on is radioactive and gives her some meds to take, and also tells her that there is a lot of seismic activity in the area. They go outside and see that they have landed in a crag underneath a cliff, and the Doctor says he feels like he has been there before. Romana suggests going back inside, but his sense of curiosity gets the better of him, and he says that he wants to explore a bit. They eventually come across the ruins of a series of stone buildings, and Romana asks if it was destroyed by the earthquakes. He says they should take a closer look, but as they go on, they feel the ground start to tremble beneath their feet, and they rush back to safety. Romana says that it felt like something drilling in the ground beneath them, and they make their way out of the city. They take cover when they hear something approaching, and they see a group of people carrying a body on a stretcher. They go take a closer look and see the mourners cover the body in bits of rubble. Romana then says that they look like zombies, and the doctor says that he wants to take a closer look at the body. They wait until the mourners leave, and Romana keeps watch whilst he removes the rubble. After investigating the body, the doctor goes to Romana and tells her that he found an ID tag on the body, saying that he was a combat pilot from the planet Cantra. Romana wonders why he was on the planet, but before they can discuss it, she sees a ship descend from the skies. They follow it towards the landing site in the wastelands away from the city. They watch as the bottom section of the ship drills its way into the ground, and the doctor says that they should go down and meet its occupants. However, they are forced to flee back into the city as a series of explosions detonate in the ground around them, and they take shelter in an abandoned building. Romana asks what caused the explosions, and the doctor suggests that they had something to do with the underground drilling. Suddenly an explosion rocks the building, and the doctor gets pinned beneath a stone column. Romana tries to get him free, but she can't move it. Doctor says the canine could help if he had finished his repairs on him, and Romana says that she will do it and rushes back to the TARDIS. She arrives at the TARDIS, but another series of explosions go off, causing parts of the cliff to break off and trap the TARDIS. Just then, an alarm on Romana's radiation counter goes off, informing her that she needs to take more meds. She heads back to the city, but unbeknownst to her, she is being observed by one of the mourners. Back in the city, the doctor's timer goes off and he takes his meds before going back to the book he was reading. He suddenly stops when he notices three white-haired, dark-skinned figures wearing white spacesuits pointing blasters at him. A short while later, Romana returns to find Tim gone and she looks around for any sign of him. As she looks around, she is suddenly confronted by the mourner who advances on her. She backs away from him and then falls down through a grate and slides into a dark corridor where she is knocked unconscious after hitting the ground. The mourner unties a rope from around his waist and starts to lower it into the hole. 
Meanwhile, the Doctor is taken to the mysterious figure's ship, which contains more personnel, all of which have the same white hair, dark skin, and androgynous features. They ignore the Doctor, and he begins to wander around the command room before being confronted by one of them. The Doctor asks them for helping him, and then asks why they're on the planet, which he also asks the name of. The crew member tells him that they're on Scarrow, and a worried Doctor demands to know what they're doing there. At that moment, Romana regains consciousness and looks around to get her bearings. She notices one of the walls nearby vibrating violently, and she goes to take a closer look. However, she's forced to fall back when it suddenly bursts open, and a trio of Daleks emerge. They order her not to move as they corner her at the base of the hole. Episode 2 Romana is led away for interrogation. Unbeknownst to the Daleks, the whole scene has been observed by the mourner from the top of the shaft. Romana is taken to a control room and placed on a platform before being asked why she is there. She tells him that she knows nothing about them and has not been sent to spy on them. The Daleks are satisfied with her answers and determine that she is not a threat to them. She asks to be let go, but they instead tell her that she will be sent to join one of their labour forces. Back on the alien spaceship, the Doctor again asks the crew member, whose name is Commander Shirell, what they are doing on Scarrow. Shirell tells him that they are from the planet Movella and that they have been sent on a mission to deal with the Daleks. However, before he can say anything more, he is told by one of the crew that they have captured a prisoner and Shirell orders them to be brought in. The prisoner is actually the mourner who has been following Romana, and he gives his name as Tyson, an engineer serving in one of Earth's space fleets. He says he was captured by the Daleks over two years ago, but he then collapses from exhaustion. Meanwhile, Romana is sent to work in the caverns beneath the Dalek base in order to excavate the tunnels. As she works, she questions the other prisoners in her work detail. They all come from different planets and were captured when the Daleks destroyed their ships when they were near Scarrow. Romana asks about trying to escape, but they tell her that every time someone tries to leave, the Daleks kill five prisoners as punishment. Romana starts to feel the effects of the radiation, and says that she needs to get out, but the prisoners remind her of the punishment. They tell her that the only way someone escapes is when they are dead. A short while later, Romana collapses, and the other prisoners say she is dead. The Daleks say that her body will be gotten rid of at the end of the work shift. Back on the ship, the Doctor asks an awakened Tyson what the Daleks are mining for. Tyson explains that he escaped after he was left for dead when he collapsed from exhaustion and he has been on the run ever since. He tells the Doctor about his encounter with Romana and her capture by the Daleks. The Doctor discreetly asks Tyson if he can get him into the Dalek base, but Shirell seems to overhear them and says that he and a few of his crew will go with them. Tyson leads them to the shaft that Romana fell down but refuses to leave when the Doctor tells him to, saying that he has a premonition of his death on Scarrow. Shirell asks the Doctor why the Daleks would come to Scarrow, and the Doctor tells him that Scarrow is the Daleks' home planet. The Doctor wonders why they would be tunneling into the ruins of their old cities, and he suddenly has a revelation. However, he doesn't say what it is, and instead says that they can find their answers inside the base. They make their way inside, and Shirell leaves one of his crew, Lan, behind to act as a lookout. Unbeknownst to them, their intrusion has been picked up by the security sensors, and a squad of Daleks are sent to deal with them. Meanwhile, down in the caverns, the work shift ends and the Daleks order a group of prisoners to remove Romana's body. She is carried away on a stretcher, much like the procession that she and the Doctor saw earlier. The Doctor and the others arrive in the command centre, and Shirell orders his lieutenant, Aguila, to watch the entrance. The Doctor notices a board full of blueprints, and he says that they are of the old Khaled city. He takes a look at it, and he says that it appears that the Daleks are trying to reach the third level. Shirell asks what they are doing it for, but the Doctor instead looks for the blueprints for the fourth level, but can't find them anywhere, and Tyson says that they may have been destroyed. The Doctor tells him that there is a shaft that leads from the surface directly to the fourth level, but the Daleks must have missed it. At that moment, the Daleks find and kill Lan. Back in the command centre, Aguila tells the others that the Daleks are on the way, and the Doctor tells him to hide as the Daleks arrive. 
He then tells them to run, and the Daleks give chase back to the entrance, where they find Lan's body. The Doctor goes to take a look at his body, but Sherelle stops him and saying that their culture prohibits aliens from viewing them in debt. A confused Doctor acknowledges this, and then they continue back to the shaft that they arrive through. They climb back up the shaft just as the Daleks arrive, and the Doctor taunts them to climb up after him and the others. Outside the city, the Doctor sees a new grave with a headstone saying Romana on it, and he rushes to it. He starts to move the debris from it when Romana suddenly appears behind him. She tells the Doctor that she managed to trick the Daleks by stopping her hearts for a short period of time. The Doctor leads the group back to the city to find the access shaft to the fourth level. He suggests that Shirelle and Aguila go back to their ship whilst he and the others go and investigate, but Shirelle insists that Aguila go with him to find out what the Daleks are after. They hear the underground drill start up again, and the Doctor says they need to hurry before the Daleks reach their objective. He leads them into an abandoned control centre where he shows them the preserved body of Davros, the creator of the Daleks. They suddenly hear a crashing sound from nearby, and Aguila and Tyson go to take a look. However, Aguila is crushed when the section of the roof falls in on her, and the Doctor goes to check on her. He takes her pulse and tells Romana that he was right. However, before he says what he was right about, Tyson returns and says the Daleks are breaking through. Behind them, Davros slowly begins to revive. Episode 3 Davros rejoices in his resurrection, but his joy is short-lived when he encounters the Doctor, who says he wished that Davros was dead. The Doctor then takes hold of Davros's chair and starts to push him out of the command centre into the tunnels with the others when they hear the Daleks approach. The Daleks enter a few minutes later and order all units to search for Davros. As they leave, they fail to notice Aguila's hand flexing out of the rubble. The Doctor and the others reach a dead end and he sends Tyson to keep a lookout while he and Romana try to clear the blockage. However, the caving gets worse and the Doctor leads them into a room and says that they need to barricade themselves in for the time being. He spots an open window and tells Romana and Tyson to get to Sherelle's ship and tell him what happened. After they leave, the Doctor decides to pass the time by telling Davros what has happened in the time that he was in stasis. Davros mocks him, saying that nothing he does can stop him from achieving his destiny of controlling the universe. The Doctor ignores him as he starts to work on some explosives that he earlier took from the Dalek Command Center. Davros says that he will upgrade the Daleks and lead them to glory, but the Doctor reminds him that they left him for dead as they no longer needed him. However, he says that something is wrong now, and asks Davros why the Daleks would need his help against the Movellans. Meanwhile, Sherelle gets a data transfer detailing the discovery of Davros. Elsewhere, Tyson leads Romana towards the Movellan ship, but they see a Dalek blocking their path. Tyson says he will distract it, giving Romana a chance to get to the ship, and he promises to join her there. The Dalek fires at Tyson, but its shots miss, and it takes it off in pursuit. Back in the bunker, the Doctor finishes the work on the explosive, and asks Davros how he survived. Davros says that his primary life support system was damaged, but his secondary systems put him into stasis, whilst his body slowly began to repair itself. Davros says that he cannot afford to die until his dream of Dalek supremacy is realised. He asks the Doctor what the Daleks have accomplished since his entombment, and he relishes in the fact that they have caused havoc and carnage. He says it is only the beginning, and the Doctor compares his ego to that of Napoleon's. They are interrupted when the Daleks suddenly destroy the barricade, and the Doctor holds the explosive against Davros, telling them that he will use it unless they back off. Davros tells him to do so for now, but then asks the Doctor how long he can hope to keep the standoff going. The Doctor puts on a show of bravado, but looks out the window for any sign of Romana or the others. At that moment, Romana reaches the Mavellan ship and tells them the Doctor needs help. She's surprised to see an image of Davros on the command screen and asks how they got the image, but Sherelle tells her to stay behind whilst ordering his crew to mobilise. Back in the bunker, the Daleks bring down a group of workers and begin to kill them one by one in order to force the Doctor to give them Davros. He tells them to stop and agrees to hand over Davros on the condition that all the workers be allowed to leave and he be given time to escape. 
The Daleks refuse, and the Doctor says that he will use the explosive. The Daleks say that his actions are illogical, but Davros orders them to do as he says, stating the Doctor doesn't follow logic. The Daleks reluctantly agree, and the workers leave, carrying their dead with them. The Doctor then attaches the explosives to Davros's chair and says he has rigged it to be detonated remotely by his sonic screwdriver in case the Daleks break their word. He then climbs out of the window, and Davros says that they will meet again. Davros orders one of the Daleks to remove the explosive, whilst the rest go after the prisoners in order to kill them. The Dalek removes the explosive and prepares to dispose of it, but the Doctor uses his sonic screwdriver to set it off. An uninjured Davros tells the other Daleks that there is work to be done and asks for a history of all their victories and defeats. He says that learning from their mistakes will allow them to become invincible. On the Mavellan spaceship, Shirelle asks Roman about the Doctor's history with the Daleks and she says that no one knows them better than he does. She is then shocked to see the appearance of Aguila and Lan. She asks how they survived, but Aguila pulls her weapon on her and uses a rendering Roman unconscious. Shirelle then orders the Nova device, a planet-killing explosive, to be prepared, and he says that they must destroy Scarrow after they have captured their new target, the Doctor. Out in the wastelands, the Doctor avoids Dalek patrols as he makes his way back to the Mavellan ship. As he makes his way, he finds the remains of a Khaled mutant, and he says he knows why the Daleks want Davros. A short while later, he encounters Tyson, who says that he has encountered the prisoners that managed to escape the city. He says that they should try and secure weapons to use against the Daleks. Suddenly, a Dalek corners them, but it is destroyed by one of the Mavellans. She holds her weapon on the Doctor and Tyson and orders them back to the ship. The Doctor dashes forward and snatches something off her belt, and then begins to keep away with Tyson. The Mavellan attempts to get it back, but begins to slow down before collapsing to the ground. The Doctor then opens her tunic to reveal a robotic torso, and he says his suspicions of the Mavellans were correct. Elsewhere, a group of Mavellans led by Lan test the Nova device. He explains that the device alters the molecular structure of the air, making it flammable, and once it is fully activated, it will burn the planet to a cinder. The test results are reported back to Shirelle, who says that they need to lure the Doctor into a trap. A short while later, the Doctor and Tyson see Romana encased in a glass tube out in the wastelands. The Doctor goes to investigate, and he sees the Nova device, which has begun counting down to activation. Episode 4 The Doctor tries to get Romana out of the tube, but to no avail, and he slumps down in defeat. Suddenly, Shirelle appears behind him and knocks him out with his weapon. The timer reaches zero, but it begins again, and Aguila says that she never armed it, as it was only supposed to draw the Doctor out. Shirelle orders the two Time Lords to be brought back to the ship. Tyson, who has been observing this from his hiding space, leaves and goes back to the wastelands. Meanwhile, Davros is in the Dalek Command Center and orders all the Daleks to be put on high alert until a Dalek battleship comes to collect them. In the interim, he says he is to be left alone whilst he examines the data sphere containing the information he earlier requested, as well as the dispositions of the entire Dalek battle fleet. On the Mavellan ship, Shirelle orders the takeoff procedures to begin and asks if the Nova device is ready. Lance says it will need to be set off manually, as the Daleks may find it if it is left on automatic. Shirelle agrees and orders Lance to remain behind with it. The Doctor then wakes up and asks if Romana is okay. Shirelle assures him that she will be fine and asks the Doctor how he knew that they were robotic in nature. He said his suspicions were confirmed when the roof fell in Aguila. Shirelle boasts of their superior physicality as well as their logical nature, but the Doctor says that they will never defeat the Daleks. Shirelle asks what he means, and the Doctor wakes up Romana to help him with a demonstration. They begin a game of rock-paper-scissors, with each of them winning several hands. The Doctor then asks Shirelle and Aguila to try, but every time they end in a draw. The Doctor says that they are at a logical impasse, much in the same way that they are at a tactical impasse with the Daleks. Shirelle says that they desire victory, and the Doctor takes them on in the game and wins every time, as he predicted Shirelle's choices.
Sherelle thanks him for the lesson and says that he will now be taken to Mavella, where he will input this new tactical element into their battle computers. The doctor says that even if he was willing to do it, Davros would be doing the exact same thing for the Daleks. This theory is proven to be correct when Davros admonishes the Daleks for their inability to overcome the Mavellans due to their similar devotion to logic. He says he knows the reason that they resurrected him was to help them win, and the Daleks say that with his aid they would be victorious. A report then comes in saying that the Mavellan ship has begun its launch procedures and it will leave in 20 minutes. The report also states that the Doctor is on board and Davros says he cannot be allowed to leave as he may give the Mavellans the advantage in the war. The Daleks say their weapons cannot breach the hull of the ship, but Davros says that they can use the explosives in the armory. He orders the explosives to be strapped to a suicide squad and orders them to ensure that the ship is destroyed. Out in the wastelands, Land begins arming the Nova device, but he suddenly hears movement from nearby. He goes to investigate and see Tyson's body on the ground. Suddenly, other prisoners appear, and while he's distracted, Tyson gets up and removes the power pack from Land's belt, and he powers down. He then makes some adjustments to it before replacing it. He then sends Land back to the Mavellan ship, where he encounters Aguila, who's gone out looking for him. Land takes the power pack from Aguila and hands it to Tyson, who does the same adjustments to it as he did for Land's. They go into the ship and the doctor spots him in the corridor. He starts an argument with Romana to distract the Mavellans and then tells her to duck as Tyson, Lan, Aguila and the other prisoners attack the Mavellan crew. In the ensuing fight, several of the prisoners were killed as they removed the power packs from the Mavellans. The doctor then uses his electronic dog whistle to slow down the remaining Mavellans whilst Romana removes their power packs. With the last of the Mavellans down, the doctor thanks Tyson for his help and asks if he has heard anything about Davros. Tyson tells him about the ship coming for him. The Doctor tells Roman to help Tyson prepare the ship to bring him and the rest of the prisoners to their home worlds whilst he goes to confront Davros. The Doctor makes his way to the Dalek base, taking care to avoid the Suicide Squad as it makes its way to the Mavellan ship. The Doctor enters the command room and confronts Davros, who is by himself. Davros says that they find themselves in an interesting situation, referencing their requirement in helping break the stalemate between the Mavellans and the Daleks. He then says that the Mavellan ship will soon be destroyed, but the Doctor says that he can use Davros's controls to detonate them prematurely. However, a Dalek emerges from the shadows, and Davros gloats that the Doctor is now helpless. Back in the Mavellan ship, Tyson returns and says that they have accounted for all the Mavellans except for Sherelle, but he says that he is no longer a danger. Romana then realises that the Nova device is still outside, and heads out to get to it before Sherelle does. Before Tyson can follow after her, he is alerted to the approach of the Dalek force and tells the prisoners that they need to hold them off until the Doctor gets back. They arm themselves with the Mavellan weapons and rush outside, but several of them are quickly mowed down by the Daleks. Elsewhere, Romana sees a damaged Sherelle approaching the Nova device and she rushes to intercept him. Sherelle is still too strong for her and manages to throw her aside and reaches out for the Nova device. However, Romana manages to knock off his arm and then removes his power pack before picking up the Nova device. Back in the Dalek base, the Doctor manages to throw his hat over the Dalek's eye stock and it panics, blindly firing all around the room despite Davros's orders to be careful. The Doctor takes one of the explosives and attaches it to the Dalek before sending it out into the hallway where it explodes. The Doctor then activates the control on Davros's chair, detonating the Suicide Squad before they reach the ship. Later, Davros is in prison on the Mavellan ship and Tyson says that he will be taken to Earth to answer for the crimes of the Daleks. The Doctor then puts Davros into a cryogenic suspension before he and Romana head back to the TARDIS. On the way back, he reveals to Romana that he and Davros had both reached the same conclusion on how either side could win the war. Since both groups were using computers to logically counter the other forces' moves, he says that the first side to switch off theirs and think independently would be the victors. 
Romana says that must be why he so often wins, as he tends to act illogically, and he happily agrees. End of the story. So, Davros is back, back again, <laughs> with, um, and while we're going to contemplate the return of this great big evil, we're going to go to the trivia spot, where we can be comfortable while we contemplate the return of this great big evil. Okay, so the air date for the story is the 1st to the 22nd of September, 1979. The writer is old friend Terry Nation. This is mm-hmm. the final of 11 stories written by Terry. He was the creator of the Daleks, and his previous stories were The Daleks, The Keys of Marinus, The Dalek Invasion of Earth, The Chase, Mission to the Unknown, Several Episodes of the Daleks Master Plan, Planet of the Daleks, Genesis of the Daleks, Skipped One, Death of the Daleks, and then The Android Invasion. The director of the story is Ken Greaves. This is the only Doctor Who directed credit for Ken. He did also do episodes of The Omega Factor, The Adventures of Sherlock Holmes, and Poirot. Ken passed away in 2016. This is the first story to be produced under script editor Douglas Adams. So we talked a lot about Douglas last season, so I'm not going to go back into it again. Um, This is Terry's final script for Doctor Who, like I said, but Ken Grieve claimed that the script was in fact 98% written by Douglas Adams. And Terry wasn't very happy. He didn't like Douglas Adams' rewrites, particularly the scene where the Doctor taunts the Dalek by climbing, climbing up the shaft. Mm-hmm. Um, by suggesting the Dalek climb up after him because he believed that pointing out to the Daleks apparent design flaw um, made them less menacing and it threatened their popularity with the public. I think because like you, know, you and I have discussed before that with the Daleks, like we saw in the chase, they can go up and down mm-hmm. steps. You just don't see it on screen. So to sort of lampshade that by saying like, hey, why don't you come up here? I get where he's coming from. Like, we never see them not be able to go somewhere. It just always cuts before they get there. Do you know? Um, so thanks to you and your wonderful, you know, gift giving nature. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I've i read the the first volume of Space Helmet for a Cow would make my way to the second version of it. And every time the Daleks are mentioned, it inevitably brings up Terry Nation. And I get the impression just from now, no, he pulls sources from like interviews with other people, Doctor Who magazine, Radio Times, all this type of stuff. That Terry viewed the Daleks as like when you talk about the Daleks, you're talking about Terry Nation. He he viewed it as one and the same. So based on that, I think maybe it's a case of he took it personally as an affront against him rather than the Daleks themselves. Because according to like a lot of the interviews and stuff like that. I know it might just be uh, because of his business practices surrounding the Daleks. Mm. He he did come across as a very petty individual. Possibly, but I do also get where he's coming from in the sense that, mm. like, like I said, you know, the running joke is that Daleks can't go upstairs. Mm. Um, but clearly, when Terry designed them, that wasn't an issue. It was a restriction of the prop. And whatever. So to then lampshade it by by having the doctor call out that they can't make their way up a ramp or up a shaft or whatever. It I can kind of get where he's coming from. It sort of makes them seem a bit stupid. Hmm. Which like, it makes them seem stupid in universe. Hmm. 
you can see it as stupid as you want outside of the universe where you see like it just be yeah because yeah. you know it's a bunch of lads going around on their knees or whatever but um i get where he's coming from um during the production ken developed a number of concerns about it and he convinced douglas adams to accompany him to paris where graham williams was on location filming for city of death and despite williams having major misgivings but the adams was absent from the production office apparently it turned into a bit of a continental pub crawl which also encompassed a stop in west germany <laughs> before the lads returned to london <laughs> which i just love it's so it's so british um this is the first time that a steady cam, which is a rig used to obtain smooth, stable shots from a handheld camera, is used um, on Doctor Who. Mm. I will tell you now, it was apparently very fucking expensive, which mm. might explain a lot. Um, this is the currently the only story since 1973's The Green Death, where each segment is labelled as episode rather than part. So I think you did actually change it when you were doing your summary which you may have edited it by now, but whatever. Yeah, no, I, cause um, I have written that, I usually write down as part, but I remember that it was episode for this story. So yeah. I have been calling, I was calling it episode. Yeah. Um, you may have noticed that the Dalek weapons effects are different than what we saw previously. So rather than the whole screen doing pause and egg, pause and egg, now it's only the area around the victim that mm-hmm. does that, which eh, makes more sense. Um, parts of the slaves costumes were recycled from previous aliens so for example there's someone wearing the costume of a draconian Mm -hmm. there's someone wearing the trousers of one of the robots from robots of death someone had the head of an axon yeah and someone was wearing a blue um morestron spacesuit that's the one from planet of evil isn't it yeah yeah, yeah I so. I, the only one I didn't spot was the pants from the robot. Uh, this is the least scored story in all of Dudley Simpson's time as incidental music composer. No episode has more than 90 seconds of music. And episode four has none at all. Which I didn't realise until I read it. And I was like, actually, yeah. It was quite quiet. Quiet. <laughs> um, originally, much of the story actually took place at night. Uh, but budget wouldn't allow it. And so it had to be written to happen during the day. This has happened. Um, of the four Dalek casings that were used in the story, one was reused from Planet of the Daleks and the other three were left over from the 1960s. They were getting in really bad shape for, for mm. Dalek costumes. Um, a couple of things around characters before you move into our cast. So in episode one, where Romana changes her bodies... Uh, one of her costumes is actually Zilda's from the Robot of Death. Or Robots of Death. I knew I recognised that costume from something, yeah. Yeah. Um, she goes on to wear a pink and white outfit that is actually stylistically similar to the Doctor's, complete with a scarf. So it's actually like the pink version of his outfit, which I actually think is kind of cute. Um, and that was actually Lala Ward's idea. She wanted Romana to wear a costume similar to the Doctor because she thought that her ego was great enough for her to believe that she was on par with the Doctor. Mm. Um, episode one saw K9 being voiced by Dalek voice actor Royce Skelton, not our lovely, lovely John Leeson. Mm-hmm. Um, this is because K9 had contracted laryngitis, and that was all that was needed from him was a croaking sound. 
apparently um terry nation was not a big fan of having k9 in the story at all um and there's a couple of different ideas going around as to why k9 was written out one was that like it'd be very difficult for him on location but the other was that terry was like if the daleks can't kill a robot dog they're gonna look really shit (laughs) which again he's not wrong he's not wrong you know and it's one of those things where because k9 is so op they have to put all these different reasons to not use him which is annoying the davros mask was actually michael wishers from genesis of the daleks but it was repaired to fit david gooderson and because there wasn't money in the budget to construct a new one you may have noticed the mask was a bit too small, so Davros's mouth is quite stiff whenever he talks, mm. um, because he couldn't move his mouth properly. Um, interestingly enough, according to David Goodison, Tom Baker, um, and we're going back to like, the silliness of Doctor Who, right? Mm-hmm. Tom Baker would never allow people to think the series was a joke, and apparently he reprimanded actors he felt were out of order when it came to how you treat the show. Um, I don't know how much of that is Tom being like, you know, oh, your Doctor Who is serious work, and how much of it is Tom's ego. Mm. But little column A, little column B, I imagine. The three alternative physical forms of Romana that we see in part one are played by Yvonne Gallagher, Lee Richards, and Maggie Armitage, respectively. Something I didn't know, there's a short story called The Lying Old Witch in the Wardrobe, which I love the play on words. Mm. Um, And it posits somewhat controversially that the Romana in this serial was actually the TARDIS masquerading as her and that she was actually trapped in the TARDIS wardrobe for the duration of the serial. Obviously, I haven't seen next week, so I don't know where this short story posits that from. But I guess we'll see next week if that short story makes any logical sense. I have a, potentially... I, I, because I have a talking points surrounding the regeneration sequence. Uh, Possibly, all right, fair enough. So, like we saw, like we talked about in the previous uh, story, Armageddon Factor, how Astra, who is a living, breathing person, mm. is also this component, this thing mm. that will be turned into it. And you know, now up until now, the TARDIS has been treated as yeah, like it's it's slightly sentient. You kind of, but it's also that like anthropomorphized relationship that you give to things and machinery, that type of stuff. Mm. It hasn't gone into the whole thing of like, oh, the TARDIS is a living, breathing thing. So maybe I I'm going to just I'm going to guess, sorry, that if without reading the story, it might tap into the TARDIS seeing what happened with Astra and realizing that it can take physical form potentially. Mm, maybe. Uh, but we'll go on to our cast proper so Tyson is played by Tim Barlow it's the only Doctor Who acting credit for Tim his non-Who credits include The Tall Guy, Hot Fuzz, 10,000 BC and the 1998 version of Les Miserables Tim was actually deaf um, as a result of an incident with a rifle during his army service but he could lip read and he actually ran a school for deaf actors Um, sadly Tim passed away in January of this year so in January 2023 Commander Sharrow is played by Peter Straker. Only Doctor Who acting credit for Peter. His non-Who credits include Girl Stroke Boy, Morons from Outer Space, <laughs> Brilliant, <laughs> Casualty, and The Sound of Spying. Um, he also worked as a singer. 
and he was actually a backing vocalist and he dressed up in drag uh, for Freddie Mercury's cover of the song The Great Pretender. Davros, like I said, is not played by Michael Wisher. It's played by David Gooderson. This is the only Doctor Who acting credit for David. Well, the only televised one. Mm. Uh, the reason why David was brought in was because Michael Wisher had a theatrical commitment in New Zealand and was unavailable. But David would go on to reprise his role as Davros in the webcast Risen, which was a prequel to the story. He also went on to voice Gavin Dexter in the Sarah Jane Smith Big Finish audio series stories Buried Secrets and Fatal Consequences. Okay, it's going to bug, bug the shit out of me. Who was Dexter in those stories? Gavin Dexter was... I think he was just um, one of the acolytes or, of the Crimson Chapter. Right. Because I'm going to look him up now because it's actually going to wreck my Yeah, because I haven't listened to Fatal Consequences in a long time. And Buried Secrets is one of the, I think, one of my favorite stories. Yeah. But all I can really remember is Luca and the whole thing in Italy. Yeah, so there was the whole thing in Italy. And then I think there was, um, he was maybe in a phone call with the Keeper, I think. Mm. Uh, let me find him. You talk away to the internet while I look this up. Um, cool. So, if if my memory is correct, the person so the guy that plays Tyson in Hot Fuzz, he's the old man with his cans and he's constantly in his pockets. That turns out to have shot a shotgun in his jacket, and the guy that plays Lan is actually uh, he was a regular in the series Porridge. He was uh, Jock, the Scottish inmate. Hmm. Okay, I have figured it out. Um, he was the head of the research facility at Pangborn. Oh, um, yes. So he was in Buried Secrets when they were doing like, the news announcements, which I love that yeah. they did that for the Sarah James Mysteries. Oh, um, so good. His house was firebombed by animal rights activists. Hmm. And so it would have been a news story where he talked about that. Yeah. And then he was in Fatal Consequences as a more prominent character. Yeah, th- those newscasts are just done so well, it's and the so way so the good. way that it 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 really is like Mercury Theatre Radio because it starts off like that's the thing that like the newscast is the story, but then it fades into it actually it's coming from a radio, yeah. and like yeah, yeah, it, it's so good. Again, we have banged on a million times over with the Sarah Jane yeah. Spectacular series, um, so yeah. Uh, back to David though, his non-who credits include. The Power Game, Bergerac, A Touch of Frost, The Bill, and Casualty. Lastly, but not leastly, as Romana 2, as she is generally referred to as for the general public, we have Lala Ward, who was actually mm. born Sarah Jill Ward. She's the daughter of Edward Ward, who's the seventh Vi- Viscount Bangor. Bangor? B-A-N-G-O-R? Banger sounds weird. <laughs> I, but I, th- I think they pronounce it Banger. Banger, okay. Um, and his fourth wife. Um, she's a brother named... Uh, Edward, who's two years younger than her, and she also has a half brother, William, who is three years older than her, and he's actually the eighth Viscount Banger. Lala Ward is herself more properly addressed as the Honourable Sarah Ward. Interesting. I don't think I've ever heard her refer to as that, but okay. Um, her stage name of Lala comes from the fact that she couldn't pronounce her own name when she was a toddler. So Sarah got changed to Lala. Aw, that's cute. Um... She attended the Central School of Speech and Drama in London and she began her acting career in Hammer Horror, actually in the film Vampire Circus. 
And then she was also in um, The Duchess of Duke Street. And she was in Derek Jacobi's Hamlet as Ophelia. Oh. This is her second appearance in Doctor Who. Like I said, we saw her previously in The Armageddon Factor as Princess Astra. And she'll go on to play Lala. Or she'll go on to play Lala. She is Lala. She'll go on to play Romana in 11 on-screen stories. A couple of things about her romantic life, because probably one of the things that gets most talked about her in relation to Doctor Who, is after her eventual exit from the show, she would go on to marry Tom Baker. Um, but the marriage only lasted about 16 months. And apparently when she's asked what her favorite monster on Doctor Who was, she quipped that it was Tom Baker. Ouch. Mm, um, they had a very tempestuous relationship. Yes. Uh, later, it was actually Douglas Adams who introduced her to his friend, Richard Dawkins, who people may know as the author of The Selfish Gene, The Blind Watchmaker, etc. Um, and they met at Douglas Adams' 40th birthday party and they got married that same year. That was in 1992. And those two separated in 2016. She went on to illustrate his books. She also wrote two books of her own on knitting and one on embroidery. And she created a 1985, the 1985 shell calendar with embroidered pictures of seabirds, which is quite cute. Um, she hadn't reappeared on screen much since she married Dawkins back in 1992, um, but she did reprise the character of Romana in the 1993 charity special Dimensions in Time, which I'm now really looking forward to us discussing at some point because I've never seen it. Oh, it's it's something. Yeah, she also was in some audio dramas produced by BB, BBV Productions, and she was in the obviously in Shadow, which I included in the eleven earlier. Um, and since Big Finish acquired the rights to Doctor Who in nineteen ninety nine, she has done a rake of stories. I can't even count the number, primarily under the Gallifrey and then the Fourth Doctor Adventure ranges. But like, she has done so many, it's ridiculous. Mm. She also recorded audiobooks, um, including Steve Pinker's The Language Instinct and Richard Dawkins's The Ancestor's Tale, The God Delusion, and The Greatest Show on Earth. Asteroid 8347 Lala Ward is named after, obviously, Lala Ward. Um, before you give your closing line, uh, one of my favorite things about Dimensions in Time is that it shows that Doctor Who, much like, you know, other uh sci-fi franchises is capable of, of predicting the future so the lead into dimensions of time was on noel edmund's house party mm. and john pertwee comes in and he says i've just come from the future and noel asks oh am i am i doing you know, something important something you know with gravitas and john pertwee just goes no you're still doing daytime television <laughs> <laughs> Okay, we won't discuss any more of Dimensions in Time because yeah, I do want no, to review it, review it yeah. properly um, when cool. we get to the point. But, thus ended to the trivia. Thank you all. We have done summary. We have. We have done trivia. We have. It is now time for character discussion and since you Paddington did the social media. You, sir, get to go first. So we have the Doctor. We have his companions of Romana and K9 ish. Um, mm-hmm. Story based companion of Tyson. Mm-hmm. Prominent character of Commander Cheryl, in my mind. Yeah. And then the villains of Davros and the Daleks. Yeah. 
Oh, we mentioned we'll talk about the Movellans as yeah, a group in, in as general well. terms. Yeah. Um, if you heard me sigh, it's because I hate the way my brain works at times. Because, <laughs> like, you know, like you were like, we've done the summary, we've done the trivia, and now we're going on to the, dis- the discussion. And I was like, you take the initials of each of those, and it spells out STD. <laughs> <laughs> you little donkey. <laughs> Oh god, yeah, that's the way my mind works at times, people. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Childish mind aside. Or yes. maybe childish mind not aside. Mm-hmm. Thoughts, Patty, on the doctor. So first things first. Is it was it just me, or is the doctor a small bit full of shit in this story when he was like my suspicions about the Bavellans being robots were confirmed when he when he like you know when he thought Aguila died, but mm. then he admits later on that he only got suspicious when he checked her for a pulse. Yeah, okay. <laughs> there's a lot of what the doctor says in the story is full of shit. Um, yeah, but that in particular is like you are giving yourself way more credit than you deserve. Yeah. But but like it's like, okay, no, he he did he was showing He thought it was weird that he couldn't yeah. help them. Yeah. And like he, there's non verbal suspicions by him. Like you know, the, the looks that Tom gives that type of stuff. Mm. But then it's like he goes to a he goes, Romana, I was right. And then he goes, When did you first become suspicious? Oh, when I felt her pulse. <laughs> you can't become suspicious and then go immediately aha I was right yeah like if, I, I, don't, I don't know like it's usually that he goes Romana I was right he never told Romana his concerns in the first place so yeah. that that whole thing is like total bullshit <laughs> oh no it's yeah he's just full of shit in this part um, I think where the, the doctor is the strongest in this story is his interactions with Davros I would agree. Because, yes, it isn't the amazing Michael Wisher in that chair. Hmm. But Tom does a really good job of not losing the connection between the Doctor and Davros. There's still that, if only you weren't batshit insane, your science could benefit the galaxy-type relationship that he has Hmm. with him, you know? Um, And it's like still trying to get him to see the realities of the situation and like even though like, he does say like you know like I wish you ha- like, I wish you had died he's, he doesn't go about like, the only time that he tries to kill Davros is with the remote detonation explosion but even then like you know that's not a guarantee that he's going to kill him because yeah. he, he won't see the body like so to like, get the very end you know he puts him into suspended animation to answer for crimes. So it's a very, I think it's a very interesting dynamic to revisit, you know? Yeah. And I think you're right that Tom was very good at maintaining that dynamic between the two of them. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to lie. There was a lot that the doctor said and did in the story that I'm like, what a load of fucking waffly bullshit. Hmm. But I would agree that the strongest part was the Davros interaction. And I will say, like, and this might be giving away a little bit, but like on the surface, this story has all the good Doctor moments. 
act you know mm. it has him being concerned for his companion it has him quipping and sort of being a little bit weird like when he's reading the book when he's crushed under the thing or whatever um it has him you know angry and you know clearly pissed off beyond belief with davros and, and it has all of that Hmm. Um, which is all very true. Um, and yes, with the exception of the Davros stuff, it for me it just kind of falls a bit flat. Hmm. Yeah, like, there's a number of assumptions, like, and this is something for the overall. But I have to mention it here because it makes the Doctor seem weird. And like, the Doctor's like, oh, there's a shaft down to the fourth level that the Daleks don't know about. That's a continuity thing that makes no fucking sense. Because he said it's the Khaled city. Hmm. The city was in the dome. Hmm. The dome and the bunker were two separate places. Yeah. And Davros was trapped in the bunker. So hmm. him saying it's the Khaled city, whereas actually it's the... Like, if he said oh, it was the Khaled bunker or the Khaled science bunker, it would have been fine. Um, And that's not on the Doctor as a character, but like... Oh, we'll go down to the fourth level and then come back up to the third level. Like, why didn't the Daleks do that? Why would the Daleks have gone down to go back up again? That makes no fucking sense either. Like, mm. <laughs> you know, like, if they want to be on the third level, why would they go to the fourth level? Yeah. And try and have to find a way to dig their way up. That makes no sense. Um, So, yeah, I mean, that was... There's a couple of things like that that make the Doctor seem a bit silly. When you, you know, when you're a big fan of Genesis of the Daleks, which I am, mm-hmm. um, but that's not the character's fault. <laughs> that's just poor writing. No, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's just it's just poor writing, and like the only other standout moment that, as you said, doesn't fall flat, is at the very start of Episode Four, where the doctor realizes that he can't save Romana and there's just that slump and puts his head against the tube. That that was a really good character moment. It was, but it was undermined by stupid. Um, because in the previous episode, we saw that the, um, what's it called? The, why have I forgotten the species name? The Mavellans? Yeah. That the Mavellans just tip it and put things in underneath. Now, apparently the Mavellans changed the tube design when they put put Romana inside. Now it has a big zip thing and a thing on the top. But it's like, we've already seen them just tip it. It tips over. Mm. Tip it over. <laughs> and pull her out, you know? Which, to me, I was like, why is he making it out to be this like really, really difficult task when earlier on they just held it up and shoved the thing under and put it back down again? Um... And yeah, they do have the it being more complicated when they're taking her out later on. But I'm like, that's not set up before he makes his attempt. So it's Poten- weird. Potential answer to that: mm. the Mavellans are robotic in nature, so therefore have increased strength. So maybe the Doctor wasn't strong enough to actually tip it over. Uh, it, 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 fucking reach of an answer, but again, yeah, but- trying to give some bit of credit to the the moment. Yeah, but is it for me? It was a case of like, okay, I get that he's like devastated, whatever. I don't think he has any clue what that device does, either. Yeah, I suppose so, you see a t- you see a uh, person trapped in a tube with a countdown device that can't be a big yeah. birthday. Yeah, but comes out of he it. also doesn't know what it does. Yeah, true. So, you know, 
Mm. Um, but yeah, it's like there was a lot of good Doctor in this. There was a lot of like good Tom in this. Eh, for me, though, it was just sort of overshadowed by a lot of stupid. Mm. stupid yeah. Stupid. Stupid. Like, no, I'm going to leave it for my overall. I'm going to leave it for my overall. Because it's, it's not actually the Doctor specifically that I have an issue with. I'm just, I'll, I'll leave it for my overall. So, companions. Yeah. So, we'll talk about the best boy for two seconds because there's not really much to say about him. But we can't no. not mention him. I've got two. I've got two words. Well, yeah. three. Poor sick puppy. Yeah. It's like, it's just like the pitiful little cough he gives. It's. I always like when, even though they don't utilize him in the story, that they do reference him. Mm. Or they, they, sh- they show him or something. Like in Power of Crawl. Uh, you know, you 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 can't come out because you're in a swamp. And then it was like, it's only us when they're coming back to the the reeds. Mm. Yeah. Um, I am very curious to see how things will be different without John at the helm. Mm. Yeah, but we will have to see. Yes. Yeah. Do you want to do our story based companion first, since Romana is well, this version of Romana is new. Or do you want to just continue with doing Romana? Um, no, I think story-based companion first, and then we can focus on Romana. Okay, so what do you think of Tyson? Tyson, mate, I like you, but Jesus Christ, don't approach a strange, frightened woman looking like you escaped Castle Dracula without saying a fucking thing to reassure her that you don't mean her any harm. Uh, yeah, like, uh, all of the, like, Tyson is like gaunt, like really, really gaunt, and like the sunken features and the the corpse like makeup, all that kind of stuff. And he just approaches Romana without saying a bloody thing, and he emerges from the shadows. And it's like that's fucking terrifying. No wonder she backed away from you. Um, but unfortunate appearance aside, I quite like Tyson. I like the fact that despite the horrors of being in the Dalek prison, or being a Dalek prisoner, sorry, he's willing to join the Doctor in the fight against him. He's not begging to, please take me out, out of the planet, please keep me safe or anything like that. He's he's going back to get stuck in, like to free the other prisoners, to help the Doctor destroy the Daleks, do whatever is needed of him. And I actually quite like that. I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah, I would agree. I I agree with you. Like the first thing I wrote, it was like maybe if you had said something to her, she wouldn't have run from you. Mm-hmm. Um, like okay, outside when he was doing creepy stalker man, maybe not because he doesn't know who she is. But like, yeah, once they got indoors and she's clearly running away from him and looking terrified. Say hello. <laughs> like it really, we don't see him talk to her until ages later, and. I had started doing some of the trivia before I watched it. Like, I'd pulled up mm. some of the car- the actor information. So I knew that the actor was deaf. And I was like, is the character meant to be deaf as well? And then, of course, he he spoke in episode two. And I was like, okay, but enough. Um, but yeah, don't sneak up on people and say nothing. It's creepy and weird. Um, but I really like Tyson is very brave. Do mm. you know, like, he had absolutely no issue getting stuck in. And clearly he was someone who was looking for an opportunity to win do you know he didn't just want to escape 
He's like, I'll mobilize them into a fighting force. I'll get them weapons. Like, he has no fucking energy whatsoever. Mm. But he has a lot of heart. And he has a lot of bravery. And I'm glad that he didn't die on that planet. I would have been very odd because he's like, oh, I have a premonition. I'm going to die on this planet. I'm like, no. Yeah. No, you're not. Because I actually really like you. Mm -hmm. And I would have been pissed if they had killed him off. Um, The one thing that struck me as a, a little bit sort of overzealous, maybe, is mm. him being like, oh, I'll get weapons and I'll turn the others into fighters as well. It's like, that's a lovely thought, but they may not have the strength for that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, some of them may want to just escape and get away. You know, you're committing people who you haven't spoken to, mm-hmm. to a fight. And a lot of them did die, um, which is sad. Um but I think it was done with the best of intentions. I don't think he yeah. was like, oh, I'm going to have this cannon fodder that we can draw at them. That wasn't, or clearly wasn't a thing at all. Um, but yeah, I think he was very brave. I think a bit stupid at the beginning and how he interacted with people, but very brave overall. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for a story-based companion, you know, he's pretty much everything he wanted. Really. The only thing is that like, I don't yeah. think his dynamics with the other two were exceptionally well, but they weren't no. bad. You know, but they weren't like they weren't standouts like we've seen in some previous stories. Yeah, no, um, no. But they weren't bad either. Like he was, he wasn't a drag on them at any stage. Like he was a huge benefit to them. Mm. Yeah, uh, unlike the fucking people that they had in the last story. Oh god, which is fucking ridiculous. Ah, so Romana, Romana yeah. two, electric boogaloo. <laughs> uh, there's a bit to go over here. I think. Mm. So, firstly, the very, to me, the problematic regeneration sequence. Because, see, this is a very interesting thing, okay? We, from, we've seen, was it, it's, it's three regenerations, yes. One to two, two to three, three to four. Yeah. Yeah. And we saw um, Choji. Sorry, Choji. So we've seen four. Yeah. And I would say Kempo and Choji, maybe not to the same extent. That's more like that comes across more like a rejuvenation. But the other tree is that we get the appearance and then the personality ticks into it as well. Mm. You know? So we, we see the person and the personality for the personality is presented to us. Here though, the choice of form, and it, it's a choice. They can choose to, um, or it's just, it's being established that, um, under certain circumstances, Time Lords, or at the very least Time Ladies, can choose the form that they regenerate into, or when they regenerate. But while they're in that flux state of in-between bodies, has the personality also changed? Because if it hasn't, I can't see Romana 1 being that cavalier about taking on someone else's identity. So this is the interesting thing about the decision that they made to cast... Or at least someone's appearance, sorry. Someone's appearance. Because this does set a precedent for the future. Mm -hmm. Right? 
I think in one case it's addressed and in the other one not so much. Did they address Colin? I don't know. I haven't seen it. But with Peter Capaldi, who had previously mm. been in the show, mm. they addressed why did I choose this face? Right, and it's a choice. But the way she describes it here is problematic because she's like, well, it's not like we're going to go back there again so I can mm. look like her if I want to. And I'm like, okay. You seemed really troubled that you looked like the princess from Tara. Mm-hmm. And that was literally you met someone who looked exactly like you. And it seemed to trouble you that you looked like this person. Now you're choosing to adopt someone else's identity. And I think the reason why it comes across so weird and so callous is the first time we see her, she's also decided to wear her clothes. Mm. Like, this is one of the things around that I find weird about this regeneration is A, I think it was very poorly done. I think. Yeah, I completely disagree with they can choose to change what they look like fucking willy-nilly. I think that's fucking stupid. Because it doesn't tie in with anything we've seen before. Like, mm. it was explained to us that in death Time Lords mm-hmm. can regenerate. I think I said Choji was kind of a rejuvenation. But I more think that is the fact that Choji and Kempo, like knew that 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 body was coming to an end and so he was so mentally strong he could create this alternate Hmm. projection of himself that he eventually will become and like just to that point the doctor's regenerations have all been under stressful circumstances like fighting against the old age and wearisome Hmm. then being forced and then actually just flat out dying yeah and like, I mean, the forced regeneration into three means that we do know that they can choose what they look like. Yeah. Right. Which which is good to know. But this idea of on a fucking whim mm. changing what she looks like makes no fucking sense. And the fact that she was also like, why was she wearing Astra's clothes? Mm. Because the way it's presented, because she your changes so quickly is that she regenerates and so do her clothes why although why? like well no not maybe not necessarily that her clothes also change but you know the way that if you go back to robot how tom just it's meant to be that he goes in and out instantaneously well yeah but the fact that she has astra's dress on oh yeah yeah the no, astra that... was still wearing the last time mm. we saw her um <laughs> Like it's 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 weird because like it's. <sighs> Do you know what gets my goat though? They had a perfect mm. explanation for it. Perfect. You invite Mary Tam back for one episode, mm. and either you have the Dalek shoot her, mm-hmm. she regenerates, or when she passes out in the mine. So two episodes, when she passes out in the mine. When the doctor uncovers her, it's Lala Ward. Mm-hmm. And yeah. the fact that, like, Mary Tam, and we discussed this last time, that Mary Tam had said that she was perfectly happy to come back and do a regeneration. She had no problem with that. And the fact that they were like, oh, no, it's just a thing that they can randomly change whenever they want to. I'm like, that's a lore decision that I don't think Douglas Adams thought through. Because it was Douglas mm-hmm. Adams that wrote that sequence. Mm-hmm. I'm like, that's a lore decision I don't think you thought through. But beyond the regeneration, 
Unless you've more to say about the regeneration. Um, no, it just like it, it raises all sorts because like I've used now I've used this story as a generally speaking as a counter to the whole thing of when Peter Capaldi turned into Jodie Whittaker, so from twelve to thirteen, everyone was well, not everyone, but you had that that section that of, the fan, of the internet, yes. yeah, that corner of the internet, and just well, the corner of the internet and that section of the fandom, because you know the way that they can be two separate things at times, mm. get, holding Chris Chibnall's like feet to the fire because um, how dare he do this? How blah blah blah. And even like Stephen Moffat to an extent as well when um, with the with the master and Missy, and it's like I've never once heard anyone give out about the concept when it was Douglas Adams that was broaching it, you know. Yeah. And no, I'm not necessarily saying that it was done well here because it just raises a whole lot of issues, as I said, surrounding. Um, I won't say, I don't know if body sovereignty is the right thing, but it's just like this callous, it, and it does come across as very callous and indifferent. Like, ah, oh yeah, I'll take a look for, I'll just decide to look like this person. And not taking into account the potential ramifications it can possibly ha- have, you know? Mm. Because again, Astra's a, Astra's a member of royalty. And if Atrios ever decides to go out into the big bad universe. Which they do have space flight. They do have space flight. And like, what happens when, as part of a delegation, Astra lands on a planet where Roman and the Doctor weren't welcome? Mm. And it's like, what the fuck are you doing back here after the last time you were here? You know, yeah. it it just comes across as very poor taste. And again, it's like the because we don't see this isn't a crisis regeneration. Mm. So, like, I would assume that if you're using the Cho G and Ken Po type thing, where the personality is very similar, I don't see Romana being like this or act yeah. behaving like this. So it's very, very strange. Um, moving on from the regeneration, because I'd say that we could spend a lot of time mm. talking about the regeneration. Um, I don't think that this is a particularly good story for... Romana too, like, or at least the introduction of a character, because, okay, we get to see the little bit of the brashness, like a bit, a little bit of cockiness that we've seen from Romana one in terms of her banter with the Doctor, but then when she encounters the Daleks, everything kind of goes a bit strange for me because it's like, okay, it. I, I initially thought her being close to tears and, you know, like screaming, like crying that, like, I don't know anything, I don't know what you're talking about, blah, blah, blah. I was expecting it to be an act to Me lull too. the Daleks into a false sense of security, but it seemed legitimate. And it's like, you withstood physical torture in like just one story ago. Where where is that gone? Like, where is, like, what happened there? And. And again, mind you, like if if the majority of this was supposedly written by Douglas Adams, we've seen Douglas write Romana in captivity quite well, you know. Um, so here it's like again, what the fuck was going on? And outside of the ingenuity of stopping her hearts to escape, 
um, the the tunnels. She doesn't add a whole lot here. She really doesn't. Yeah. Like, my thing with it, like, the first thing I wrote down after the regeneration sequence hmm. was what happened to the brave Romana who faced torture and death against the shadow with her head held high and never gave in. What happened to the Romana in the androids of Tara who hmm. walked head high to her death because it would prolong someone else's life for an hour. Do you, where did she go? Because I really liked her and this isn't her. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I mean, is it because Lala's smaller physically? She's shorter than she is. Yeah. Mary Tam was. Um, but the, her, like her being scared of the Daleks. Yeah. Like her backing away in fear. Yeah. Totally believable. Right. That's mm-hmm. fine. Daleks are fucking terrifying. But like, her like i don't know please let me go and when i'm like oh my god mm. who is this woman like i can't think of the last time we saw a companion like that um if we're okay if we're being fair romana won in power of crawl but if we're if we, like because you know when we in talk- power of crawl like she was tied to a rock yeah. But she wasn't uh, screaming her head off, let me go, let me go, let me go. No. Um we're probably gonna have to go all the way back to Victoria. Yeah. Um and Romana's the time lady in this or the time lady yeah. in this situation. So that for me was where the fuck did Romana go? Um but the other thing as well is that when she's on the Mavellan ship, she doesn't do anything. No. Do you know, again, it's the it's, it's an issue we had sometimes at Romana 1. What did Romana 2 do to drive plot? Mm-hmm. Again, you say like Douglas Adams in um, the Part Pirate Bash. Planet. Yeah, there was bits where Romana didn't do much, but when she was held captive, there was the banter, there was the bravado, there was the, oh, this is so archaic, blah, 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 blah. The Mavellans just kept saying, no, you can't leave. And she just stood there like, oh, okay. Oh, okay, like, dude, no, like, where's, where's the, again, where's the Romana from Pirate Planet? Where's the Romana from Androids of Tara? Where's the Romana from even the Armageddon Factor, which, like I said, wasn't mm-hmm. great, but like, the way she stood up to torture in that story versus this is like, the fact that it's a Dalek means that it'll kill you. Yeah, I get that, but like, again, she walked to her death. She told the Doctor, "Don't save me. Don't give up any information." I'm not worth it, whatever. Um, and then here she's crying her eyes out. I'm like, ah, come on. Like, that's a bit ridiculous. Mm. Do you know? Um, also, she stopped her hearts. They brought her outside. Did she then wake up and be like, hey, I want to just terrify the shit out of my friend. So can you, like, build a mound of rocks to pretend I'm under there? Or did she let them bury her alive under rocks and then move the rocks, get out, and then rebuild the rocks again? That makes no fucking sense. Mm. Um, so yeah, like for me, I think for a Romana story, I think this was poor. Mm. Um, like If this was a Romana 1 story, I think we'd both agree this is a very poor showing. 
oh, yeah. um, for the character that we know. For a Romana 2 story, I don't think it sets her up as, you know, like, you know, I was saying that Lala Ward said that, like, you know, her ego is so big that she feels that she's a match for the Doctor. That is not what I saw here. No, what I saw here no. was the damsel in distress repeatedly, who does nothing to save herself compared to Romana, who was the damsel in distress mm. a lot, but with the exception of the power of Krull, tried to free herself mm. from those instances, and several times was successful. So, yeah, yeah not the best start. No. It's, like, if this is starting you mean to go on, oh, it's going to be rough. Yeah, and, you know, people might think, like, oh, but that's just because you really liked Mary Tam, which we did. But Anyone whose first story was this, we'd both be like, "Oh, that's fucking. It's a bit weak. Mm. It's a bit poor." Mm. At least with Victoria, she was very young, and she'd been held captive and tortured, presumably by the Daleks. Mm. So, like, her behavior was understandable. Mm. Not, it's not understandable with the backstory. Even if you just took for like, "Oh, she's a Time Lord and she's traveled with the Doctor for a while," this isn't believable. But also, counter another counter argument that is, we love Sarah Jane. We immediately fell in love with Leela. Yep. We love Leela. Pretty much, almost on par, fell in love with Romana One. Yep. So yeah, yeah. we call bullshit on that uh, that <laughs> argument. <laughs> but again, more in the case because I've been talking about ages for like the last number of episodes about how like oh you know people always say Lala Ward's great, but like Mary Tam is brilliant, mm. and why should always over Lala Ward? Um. This was not what I was expecting. No. From the amount of love Romana 2 gets. But it is still her first story. Yeah. And Dalek stories are weird in general. So mm. we'll see. So um we move on to Commander Sherelle and the Movellans. Yes. Which based on their aesthetic, really like that name or just like Commander Sherlock and the Bavellans, it really does go with my comment of which is, I just take a look at them and all I can think of is fucking disco, disco, disco. I look at them and particularly Commander Sherlock, and I'm like, oh look, it's the space version of Boney M. Yep. That's all that's there. Um, I, I'll never wrap, be able to wrap my head around um this notion that the Movellans are meant to be like the equals of the Daleks because it's referenced a couple of times uh, throughout the show both classic and modern mm. and it's like I I just don't get it I mean like for fuck's sake their power packs are on their belts yeah. and can easily be taken off by anyone as like it's the equivalent of having a sign saying here are my genitals please kick them just they're not threatening they're n- oh they're so it's so stupid it really, I thought they were really I thought they were interesting in their own right a bit like the robots from robots of death mm-hmm. but I agree with you as a villain or as a counter villain I suppose to the Daleks their design is fucking stupid <laughs> like what was that little green thing by the way on their shoulder never find out what the fuck that was no idea um, 
but I like, like I, the rob, robots and robots of death are like like one. But again, like, that was a that was a very horror themed story, hmm. so their whole aesthetic really fit that. Um, but if you compare these robots, for example, to you know the Android Invasion, yeah, right, because um, Android of Tara doesn't really jump, no, no. but Android Invasion. Here they interact. They clearly pass for human and whatever. They walk like their walk is a naked way, but like they don't even keep their guns drawn all mm. the time. I'm like, you're a bit fucking stupid, aren't you? Like I get that you've like a computer mind, so like tactics, things like that, I can gather being really good, but like design, like. You know, how about you put that transponder like, I don't know, permanently attached to yourself, so that like a cool breeze, like a, cool, a slow breeze, could like, like take it off. Or again, um, just hide it out of plain sight. Yeah, um, I think the other thing as well is, and this is going to go a little bit into my overall. When they had their power packs taken off them, I'm oh, sorry, that was oh, just oh, bad. No, no. Like you said, that you've got like um, Tyson and the Doctor playing keep away. That looked like oh no, oh, 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 yeah, oh. and it was just like oh my god, just fall oh, over, really, just, just keel over. Re- the really bad like power or power down music and. Like just like, like yeah, just like literally, just stop moving. Huh. That's like, it. Boom, all you. Boom. It yeah. would have been better, do you know. It's like okay, you know, like the Santarans, they have a very obvious flaw, hmm. which means that like they prefer subterfuge. They prefer fighting from a distance, hmm. or whatever. There's other ways to explain it. Um, and I, I as well, like I was being a bit generous when I said that Shirelle was damaged because he shows no physical signs of damage when Romana comes across him, yet she's able to just kick his arm off his body. <laughs> like, like, oh. and like, the, like Romana's like fucking five foot nothing. Oh, I'd like, say she's, if she weighs fucking she's ninety pounds soaking wet type thing. You know? Yeah, like it's, and, it's ridiculous. And it's just like no, like it's. You're shoddily constructed. The only thing about them that makes them capable of destroying the Daleks is their weapons. That's it. Like, we've never, there's never been shown this. We're never shown the capability that they have any possibility of, say, like picking up a Dalek over their heads and like Mm. throwing it into a corner because God knows their knees would buckle. And, you know, the. (sighs) This was. If you ask me who. Who would I put up against the uh, of who we've seen? Who would I put up against the Daleks in in terms of being a nemesis? I'll take the fucking mechanoids from the chase any day of the week. Yeah, because that agree. that that sequence was fucking like Avengers Endgame level compared to what we see here. Yeah. Also, I will say one thing, right? Yeah, and again, this is kind of giving away some of my role, but the design of the door on their ship. So the door into the command center is this really mm. fucking narrow tube that Lala Ward is almost too tall to fit in. I'm like, who designed that? Do it, you reminds know? Of the, like, it reminds me of the door to work. 
not even that the door to work at least fits a full-grown human being with a backpack yeah. and a delivery box do you know what I mean it mm. reminded me of i took friends of mine to blarney castle over the weekend first time i've been there lived in cork my entire life don't open there um and we were going up to the top mm. and old irish castle very fucking narrow and we get to the top and i'm actually like oh my god now i'm not exactly a skinny mini but i'm not exactly the fucking size of a house either and I'm, I actually got to the top and I was like, this is, like, I had a slight panic because I'm claustrophobic that, like, I would get stuck. And I'm, that's what that reminded me of. I was like, oh my God, like, because you, you spin in and out of it, like, I was like, they're too tall to, for the door. Like, what the hell? Yeah, and too it's... broad as well. Do you know, it's weird fucking design. And then you have those two fucking um, villains who just sat on the rest of the couch the whole time. Mm. Like, literally, there's two guys who just sit there oblivious. Not doing anything. Not reading a report. Not working on a tablet or anything like that. Just sitting there. Doing nothing. Like... <laughs> I if I if I remember that they make a brief appearance in like Peter Capaldi's last season, yeah. and I call I remember just kind of going, "I'm not these fuckers again." Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh. uh, but away from the Mavellans and onto the villains of the piece. Do you want to discuss the Daleks themselves and their plan, or do you want to just talk about Davros? So. I've only read two things about the Daleks themselves because, as we said, Daleks are pretty much Daleks. Mm. One, no, no, dig up, stupid. Because, <laughs> uh, and also, when the Doctor finds like the the remnants of uh, mutant Khaled, uh, when did mutant Khaleds turn into discarded ball sacks as opposed <laughs> to just like the squids that they're meant to be? Like no seriously, like uh, I'm not, I'm not, we're not we're not lying. Like these things look like a silly putty of it, like a testicle sack. It's so bad. I did wonder because I looked away from the screen for a second, just as that was happening. I looked at my phone or something. Oh no, I was typing something on my computer, and then I looked up and I was like, "What the fuck did I miss?" Like, what? <laughs> I was listening to the whole thing, but I was like, "What the fuck did I just miss?" What's what's? And he's like, "Oh, a mutant Khaled. Are you?" I'm like. What do you mean that's a mutant Khaled? What the fuck are you talking about? I was, and it reminded me, because when I saw that, I thought that their plan was completely fucking different. Because I was thinking of uh, Stolen Earth and Journey's End. Mm. And the reveal we get at the end of that when Davros opens his shirt. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we find, whatever. I don't want to spoil it, but you know what I mean. Yeah. I we thought find, it was going and- to be a- <laughs> We find a nipple. <laughs> I thought it was going to be a precursor to that. Yeah. And I was like, ooh, I didn't realise this went back this far. It, it isn't that. It isn't that at all. Um, but yeah, that was weird. It was like, ooh, we've got some slime. Hmm. Let Tom play with it. Um, In relation to their plan, given what happened in Genesis, I think it makes no sense. Yeah. Um, because in Genesis, the Daleks stated their belief that they were superior to Davros, so they had no further use of him. 
I they've gone to conquer at least half the galaxy. Well, I won't say conquer, but they have a heavy presence in the universe without him. So now that they've hit the roadblock, what makes them think that bringing him to the equation will help? Yeah. Um, Let's bring in the guy who did not even know there was life outside of his planet. Yeah. To solve an interplanetary uh, war. Interplanetary war problem. Like, it would have made more sense for the Daleks to kidnap the doctor because he's the fucker that continually beats us. <laughs> um, it, no, it just, like, the no, the idea of bringing Davros back is really cool. I'm not going to lie. I, I think it, and when it was done in Journey's End and Stolen Earth, oh, chef's kiss. Was done the reveal so of that though was amazing. yeah yeah absolutely like, I mean, that that reveal is what got me into Doctor Who yeah as uh, like just and the best thing about that's the best the fucking best thing about Journey's End or Stolen Earth and Journey's End is that there isn't a Dalek in the fucking title of the story yes so yeah so if you're someone that doesn't watch the trailers for appearing next week or you try and keep as much of a fucking low like investigation like you just want to see what happens each week oh absolute fucking suspense perfection and we'll talk about it more in a couple of years when we get to that point in time but the idea of bringing him back is really cool the logic behind it here makes no sense no but he came but came back he did and not only did he come back, but that chair with the middle fucking finger. <laughs> did you back. notice that at one point the middle finger thing was bent over a bit far? Yeah. And it was already yeah. touching the back of his neck. And the next episode, it was back upright again. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. I love that chair. I love it so much. Also, is it just me? Or did Davros come back with a slight squashish twang from his suspended animation? There was a point where he was talking. And I have this in my notes, right? He's like, I will give him the best weaponary. Weaponary? Yeah. Davros, the word's weaponry, my love. It reminds me of the way my mom says the word calendar. Yeah, calendar. She, she says it a bit like colander. It's calendar. Right. I'm like, it's calendar, mom. Well, get out the calendar. I'm like, it's not a fuck. <laughs> I was like, like, I hate to say it, right? Because I'm sure your man's lovely. But... He was no Michael Wisher. No, and like it's, it. We talked before about like reprising a role, you know, yeah. and it's it's tough. It's very tough, or not reprising a role, but taking over a role. Yeah, and like it's, it's very difficult to do. Like you know, we may not have talked about it here on the the um, the podcast, but we've talked about it you know, in terms of other stuff, you know, in our fucking yeah. normal bantering about things. And um, like again, we'll eventually get to it. But for me, the only person that is comparable to Michael is Julian Bleach. Completely agree. Um, now the guys that will appear as Davros throughout the interim, they just don't. From memory, now again, as I said, I haven't watched those stories in years. But from memory. They don't hit the same level of menace mm. as Michael and Julian do. Yeah. Like, what's interesting, and again, this is no slight on your man, mm. by the way. Like, 
I think one thing that was against him was they used Michael Wisher's mask. Yeah. Because you see that face and you expect to hear the voice. I know that future diverses, they have a different face. They have a very different face. Some of which look fucking weird. Um, Yeah. But you see that face, you expect to hear Michael Wisher. Mm -hmm. But even like Uh, I was watching like the first few minutes of the behind the sofa for this episode and I stopped because I was tired. And it was Colin Baker and some guy whose name I've forgotten. And they were like, oh, it's Devros. And they were like, is that Michael Wisher? And they were like, no. Is that such and such? And they're like, no. It's the one that came between them. Hmm. It's the other one. I'm like, ah. Terry Malloy, I think, is the guy that... Yeah. And they were both kind of like, ah. Like, you don't want to be known as the other one. Yeah. That's a bit shit. Um... And it's unfortunate because the whole thing about Davros that makes him a good villain is in the performance. It's the fact that when he gets excited, he sounds like a Dalek. Yeah. Do you know, like, that's where the menacing factor comes from. Mm. Otherwise, he's just a guy in a chair who can't move. Mm. Also, also, I did nearly wet myself at one point because... And again, this sounds like I'm just shitting on your man. And I'm not. I promise I'm not. Um, But clearly David Gunderson hadn't mastered the movement. Because Davros's movements Mm. are like a Dalek. He's very smooth Mm. in how he moves around. David Gunderson, you could tell that he was like running his little feet because he'd kind of wobble in the Mm. chair. (laughs) And I was like, every time he moved, I was like, oh, Petal, you're trying so hard. But he couldn't do the smooth movement. Mm-hmm. so he kind of looked like some guy who's dancing in his seat dying to go for a wee <laughs> like watch it back again if you didn't notice mm. it because like it... I, I think I will I think I will but I think maybe we'll move on because like, it just sounds like we're slandering the poor guy now at this stage yeah, Davros himself so I think it's an interesting power shift here mm. because Davros has the Daleks by whatever their equivalent of the short and curlies are. And long and tanglies. Long and tanglies, yeah. Um, he, ha- he has them by that equivalent, uh, or he has them by that. And, like, it's interesting to see his ego build up because he clearly forgot what... Either he's forgotten or he's overestimated the severity of what happened the last time you know before they turned on him so he's carrying on as if their attempted assassination of him never happened whereas what happens down the line you'd have expected him to implement that there now i want to put in place a like a safety measure that will stop them from ever turning on me again you know yeah the only explanation i can think of that and it doesn't really make sense but it does in a way is we're told it's been hundreds of years if not more it wasn't these daleks that tried to kill him no do you know and i suppose in the back of his mind he's like yeah they thought that they didn't need me oh look who's come fucking crawling back now mm. do you know and maybe once he got to the dalek command ship he would have been like yeah fuck you now mm. but what can he do on 
Scaro with no lab, with no access to anything really to know. Um, well, that, that that's me probably like looking for an answer where they're really no, because I I'm like we know that the Supreme Dalek is the one that's in charge at the moment. So like, I'm pretty much of the belief that once he had told them how to achieve their victory, uh, they would have fucking finished the job. They would have just killed him. Oh yeah. Well, the fact that even like he says like, oh, the, the, the Supreme Dalek put this together for you. He's like, the Supreme Dalek will fucking see about that. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. Like, just no. I I liked that. As I said, I think the the reemergence of the dynamic between Davros and the Doctor was entirely built upon by Tom here, hmm. and. I think it's unfair to level any of... Uh, it's done by Tom because Tom was there, whereas David Goodison wasn't, and that's not David Goodison's fault. No, I'd agree. I'd agree. So, we have come to the end of the podcast so as always we will be giving our thoughts on the story and give you the score of five um so i suppose i lead us off into this one yep and what i will say is that this is a really boring story <laughs> i'd be like fuck me but for the subject matter being dealt with here there's no attention yeah. There's and I think that is significantly hampered by the lack of music in it. Yeah. I I re I really think that this should have been scored a lot more. Because when the doctor has his realizations for stuff and like you know, he's like putting the pieces as to what the Daleks are looking for, music would have really helped that. Yeah. You know? Um like and I, like, even like because um, you know we know it's destiny of the Daleks and like we've we've seen like okay yeah we know we're getting Daleks but like I remember when we were talking about Planet of the Daleks and we were like okay yeah we know it's called Planet of the Daleks even the reveal of the first Dalek at the end of episode one is done kind of well you know you're like yeah. oh my god fuck it Daleks <laughs> here it's like it's just yeah okay I get it but that's not responsible for the lack of attention here yeah. um I didn't particularly, look, I have my issues with Romana's regeneration. I don't think it was done particularly well or handled very well. I don't think Romana had the impact that she should have had for her first case showing, Mm. um, which is a shame for her. Um, Also, we've talked about, there's a lot of lazy writing here, like between continuity errors like the Mavellans identifying Davros as a Khaled mutant. But yeah. he's not a mutant. He's no. just a Khaled. I find uh, that really weird as well. I thought that was really random. Yeah. Like, so um the Daleks plan it, like if you look look at it it makes no sense. It's, it is actually kind of a waste of time and effort on their part. Um yeah, like, so, I think this was writing at a 1.5. Mm. Just a 1. 
Yeah, I can, I can see that. Um, like from my perspective, you and I spoke briefly before we started recording, and you asked me like, "Oh, did I have my score done?" And I said no, that like, I really struggled to give it a score last night. And then I was like, oh, am I being mean? Again, because I'm very cognizant of the fact that I do, when I try to go in, you know, with an open mind and stuff, I really liked Mary Tam, you know, and I, you know, had the same concern I had when we went from Sarah Jane to Leela and from Leela to Romana 1, that I would judge the story based on the fact that it is a different actress playing the companion and I really liked the previous one Mm. with this though I mean it was boring as fucking sin Um, it made no sense like there's I had a question right from the get go which is how did the Daleks get out of the cave in in Genesis of the Daleks. Like, that's what I want to know. You know, like, in Genesis, we have yeah. the cave-in. Like, they get trapped inside. And the Doctor says, like, oh, it could be thousands of years before they get out. Hmm. Here, we assume they got out, left Davros behind without checking he was actually fucking dead and went off across the universe. But they were on the same level as him. So, mm. how were they able to get out, but he's still trapped? What fucking logic does that make? Also, the whole idea of, oh, it's the ruined Khaled city. No, they didn't have an external facing city. They had a dome. And the bunker was separate from the dome, because when the city was destroyed under the dome, the bunker was still left over. And it's things like that that sort of bother me about it, because like people say, like, oh, there's no continuity in Doctor Who. Do you know, it's wibbly wobbly timey wimey nonsense. I'm like, yeah, but like, Genesis of the Daleks is one of the most renowned classic Doctor Who stories. Hmm. So for this to be the follow up and be shit <laughs> is the problem. For this hmm. to have so many loopholes from the original is a problem. Like, bearing in mind, in the original, Davros didn't believe until he actually analysed the Doctor himself that there was life on other planets. Mm-hmm. And yet suddenly the Daleks expect that he will be the one to solve their interplanetary war for them. Like, dude, Davros doesn't even know what anything off Scarrow even is. Like, how how would that work? Um, The reprisals were very long. Mm. they spent half an age playing rock fucking paper scissors like mm. bad bad plan do you know um, you know that was done way better in the movie the war games where they mm. played tic-tac-toe mm-hmm. um, and like it was just bad it was just badly written it was badly directed like the fight mm. scenes were shocking like, Doctor Who fight scenes have never been amazingly awesome, but like the sl- way, the I way would the say there's a fair few of them have. Like, the way the slaves were directed to attack the the fucking, I keep forgetting their name, they were so boring. The Mavellans. 
like the Mavellans, like that was ridiculous. It looked so camp and badly choreographed. The sets looked nothing like the sets from Genesis of the Daleks. Nothing. That wasn't even the same fucking room that Davros was trapped in. At least try mm. and make it look like the same room. Yeah. Um. And yeah, and the regeneration made no fucking sense. Where did Romana go? Why do we suddenly have this fucking um, screamy pixie instead? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't enjoy it. I originally gave it a two last night. Mm-hmm. But then going through the discussion, and I felt bad giving it a two. And then going through the discussion, I'm like, actually, what did I like about it? I liked the doctor side of the Dr. Davros dynamic. Mm-hmm. And that was it. And I think a lot of this could have been made better by better writing, mm-hmm. better directing. Do you know, like apparently the steady cam was really expensive, and so they couldn't do a whole lot with the sets. They didn't have a lot of money left, and it fucking shows. Mm. Do you know which is unfortunate? This is your season opener, and no, I'm. I'm gonna to have to agree with you on this one and give it a one, which mm. is shit. But like, you know, you mentioned like, earlier. I don't know if we were recording when you said it that like you forgot this was the first episode of this season. Yeah, I I continually forget that this is the first ep- first story of this season. I can completely understand why. <laughs> mm. um, I it's be- it's because next week's story or the next story is so highly touted because of the subject matter and because of who the villain is um so yeah here like this is a very very forgettable story yeah so i don't know um yeah i feel like you know we kind of shot on lala's portrayal of romana a little bit but you know i'm willing to give her the benefit of the doubt that like Mm -hmm. this was not the story to showcase her no. Um, but next week has a lot of heavy lifting to do, I think, to get us back to like, the end of last season didn't end well. No. But our love of the character was high, like of Romana was high, our love of K9 was high. Um, and I think starting off a season with a one, this season has a lot of work to do to get that back like, this is probably our lowest season opener uh i think it is uh, because one, like four five three five 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 i mean bear in mind we had a very long stint there of fives and 4.75s across the board hmm. um mask of mandrago was probably the only dip in that which was a yeah. 3.5 3.25 so not a massive dip Day of the Daleks was a 2.5. Still not this bad. Uh, Dominators, 2.5. Galaxy 4. That piece of garbage was a 2.5. And yeah, like, the closest that comes to this is actually our orig- our scores for the unaired pilot. The unaired studio recording of An Unearthly Child. That you gave a 1.5 and I gave a 2. That's the close. Oh no, no, ah uh, no. Oh, from a season opener, that's it. Yeah. From a, a story in general, there is one 
It's the gunfighters. Yeah, they're. It has not. For me, it's on par. Yeah. For uh, you, there's a bit more to go <laughs> to get that bad. Yeah, no, because I was thinking like that. Why is this story, which I do not like, higher than the gunfighters? I was like, it's that fucking. It's the fucking song. song. It's the song. <sighs> We're not mentioning that song again. Yeah. And, like I said, I think poor season opener, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Willing to give Lala Ward another go next week. Mm-hmm. See how she gets on with a story that's more catered to her. You know, that isn't a doctor reconnecting with a villain from the past story. Mm-hmm. And doesn't have the whole Dalek mythology to handle. Um, we'll see. And next week's story is... The City of Death. Indeed. Indeed. Until then, though, bye! Bye!